Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. So there's this scene in the movie The Holiday when um, Kate Winslet's character Iris is at dinner with the retired screenwriter Arthur Abbott and uh, he was a screenwriter back in the golden age of Hollywood and she asks him something like you know was the was the golden age really as uh, you know romantic and wonderful as as we imagine it to be and he says no it was better. (laughs) And that is sort of the scene uh, that I feel like played out in this interview with Christy Isaacer, who was a blogger back in the golden age of blogging in the, uh, you know, early to mid aughts. And uh, I feel like that was the golden age of the internet, wasn't it? Um, But uh, yes, I really felt like that was me just sort of fawning over her and asking about the, um, you know, this this wonderful age of of authentic connection on the internet that I imagined that time to be. And it turns out um, it really was that great, guys. It really was that great. I would, you know, I'm I'm just a little bit younger than her. So I feel like, um, you know, I was online then too. uh, But I was I was in these horse message boards on AOL. Remember when you have like an AIM screen name and uh, you could have these uh, chat rooms that you would go into and I remember there was one all about horses and you would make up like these breeding stables and they had races Um, I don't even remember exactly how it worked it was sort of like fantasy baseball like leagues but with these made-up horses and um, I remember having just ab- just being passionate about this <laughs> and oddly getting to know people that way. I actually met about three people from that group ultimately later on. We would we stayed in touch because you know, we were in the equestrian world, it turned out. Um, and we stayed in touch and uh, we eventually met up at one point. Um, so uh, I just feel like that was such a, a such a peak time. Um but uh, yeah, what a treat. What a treat to talk to Christy Eisinger. If you don't know who she is, she is a blogger, writer, podcaster, um, all about the Catholic faith. And she also just shares about her life in uh, rural Canada, uh, the, the, the dark, deep <laughs> kind of uh, existential crisis inducing winters and the beautiful, glorious summers and her gardening exploits. And um, she posts the absolute best recaps of the crown um, and uh, keeps us all up to date about the British monarchy. Uh, But I just, I first encountered her through a podcast called Fountains of Carrots, which is a podcast that she did for nearly seven years with Haley Stewart, uh, another great blogger, writer, podcaster. And uh, I loved it so much when I was thinking of becoming Catholic and didn't know anything about the Catholic world. And uh, just hearing these women talk in such an authentic way about their lives with their families and uh, the very interesting guests they would have on and addressing 
uh, you know, just, just the realities of life, but also just having a lot of fun. And I think that that was, um, that's been a real service that uh, Christy and Haley gave the, the internet was to um, embrace sort of the, the beauty and uh, wonderful chaos of, uh, you know, a lived Catholic life of a, of a, of a family life. And, uh, and we all, of course, are yearning for connection on those points, which can be hard to find. Uh, Christy tells us in this interview that she was, she is the only family at her parish. <laughs> so, I mean, she, uh, you know, this, this was community. So in the, in this podcast episode, we talk a lot about, about the value of internet communities, uh, what we can still find there, what we think has changed, um, in the age of social media and algorithms and monetization and sponsorships and things like that. We also talk about, about raising little kids, about the isolation that that can bring and how to combat that. Uh, we, we talk about uh, the British monarchy a little bit. There's just a lot of, a lot of fun stuff in here. And uh, I, I, think, I think you're really going to enjoy. It's funny because I really don't like um, pre-recording podcast episodes generally uh, just because I really, I, I don't know, I have a hard time talking about things um, except in the moment. <laughs> My podcast episodes are very spurned by what I am currently reading, writing, watching, etc. And I also like to do a lot of seasonally, you know, relevant, liturgically relevant episodes. Uh, it's just more interesting to me that way. But with the way, you know, with interviews where you have to uh, sort of work around everybody's schedule and you have to plan in advance, I often have to pre-record interviews. Uh, but it's just funny because it's it's all worked out. This is clearly this is when this interview was meant to air. Of course, um, two weeks ago, I did uh, an honest parenting chat with Gina Dadoglu, which I feel like is a good sort of companion to this episode, because both of these are are about parenting in different ways, um, or a decent amount of the episode is. And, uh, you know, <laughs> in the past two weeks, you know, we've had like illness in the house and uh, a lot of burnout and sleep, you know, people not sleeping. And of course, tonight when I was supposed to be doing this, none of the kids went to bed when they were supposed to. And I've just been exhausted and sort of really just felt very stretched thin. And uh, both of these episodes are such an encouragement on those on those levels and reminds me how important it is to talk about parenting and its ups and downs with um, authenticity and openness. And uh, so clearly, you know, it, it all worked out like this is what I what I needed to listen to right now <laughs> um, when I was editing this. It was helpful to me to hear and to be reminded of some of these things. So I hope it's helpful for you as well well and also just fun it's just a lot of fun Christy and I certainly had had fun recording it um very grateful to her for taking the time to chat with me and uh definitely want to recommend she recommends a great Spotify playlist so stay tuned for that I would play some songs from it but they are all super copyrighted so I'm not going to mess with that um but you know head over to that playlist lots of fun feel good music um yeah just just stay tuned it has a great title so you'll have to wait till the end of the episode to hear hear the hear the title of it but <laughs> um anyway uh i'm katie marquette this is born of wonder i think i haven't even said that yet that's how tired i am um <laughs> here we are it's the end of august i hope that everybody's going to go outside tomorrow and see the blue moon it's not actually blue 
but uh, pretty rare occurrence only happens once every few years. So if you need a fresh start, if you need some sort of marker in your life to say this is the moment that something's going to change or something like that, once in a blue moon, it's happening. It's happening tomorrow. This episode airs on August 29th. The blue moon will be happening on August 30th. That's also my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, John. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so I just, kids are going back to school. It's a busy time. Um, you know, we've had some nice cool mornings. Things are shifting. This is a very, I find it very transient time of year. So I hope whatever, you know, good energy you need this time of year is coming your way. And uh, yeah, so I just hope you really uh, enjoy this episode. And uh, there's plenty here, plenty here to listen to. So I'll stop rambling. Remember, you can find me online at bornofwonder.com uh, and mostly at Substack. So head on over to the link in the show notes. Um, I'm writing away there. I have a new series for paid subscribers with lots of book recommendations. I'm going to have a sound escape coming out this week um uh, featuring the lady of shallot uh anne of green gables may make a little appearance in that sound escape um yes i've been i've been just writing away over there so uh i also send out a monthly newsletter with lots and lots of links of to all sorts of things around the web so if you're not a subscriber i recommend you head over there uh and if you have time to review the podcast i would so appreciate it every review means so much to me personally and so much to the mysterious algorithms that uh, allow podcasts to be seen and known and shared so i certainly certainly really really appreciate that So without further ado, let's launch into this conversation with Christy Isinger. Today on the podcast, I'm so, so excited to be joined by Christy Isinger. I'm sure many of you are familiar with her from Fountains of Carrots. I'm a huge fan of that podcast and from her just blogging and writing all over the web and in the Catholic world and with her great recaps of the crown on uh, Instagram. Um, So pretty legendary. I'm so excited to talk to you, Christy. Thank you for taking the time. (laughs) That's very lovely to say, Katie. It's great to talk to you and to be here because I also enjoy your podcast and your writing. It's so fun to finally talk, I guess, in real life as close as we can get. As close as we can get. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like there are so many layers of real life with the internet now. You've got like right. social media real life. You've got now like Substack real life. And now we're, we're podcast real life. So we're, <laughs> we're getting closer. Exactly. We can only dream that this is like the next step. One day we will meet face to face. It'll be great. one day, one yeah. day. So close enough. But um, but maybe for um, those of us who aren't as familiar with you, do you want to just give an introduction to yourself and your family and just like what you're up to these days? Sure. Um, I feel like, yes, I am kind of the grand in the grandmotherly elder millennial age of people who have been on the Internet. Um, I think I started blogging. I want to say maybe in 2009, I think it was after the birth of my third baby. So I think that was when I started kind of just in the heyday of blogging when people had blogs and they were updated daily or regularly. And that was how you connected with people online for the most part of time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was great. (laughs) It was great. It was the, I, I still am so grateful that I had that at that time, it was really great for me because I had three kids in three years and then I had two more in the next about two and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) 
so that's and like I, that's oh, almost one a year that's pretty it was, almost that's, one a year. <laughs> it was five in six years so I was very isolated just because when you have that many toddlers you're very you know it limits your mobility a lot because it's really hard to wrangle that many kids by yourself and then compound that on I live in rural northern Canada so about 15 miles from the nearest small town and it's very small 1500 people not like and I think I'm being generous in 1500 it's probably closer to like 1200 right um so it was already a very isolated life that I was living and then when you added kids and like the constant demands of kids just looking for any outlet and connection and that was what I found with blogging at that time and again I'm just so grateful because it was really both a great outlet for me and it really was community at that time because it was a pretty small group of people <laughs> but really I think there was quite a lot but we did well I'm sure like each like niche had its own group right yeah. so it was probably you know you could feel intimate in that community yeah I was just about to say it felt like it, it felt small enough that you knew most people and that you could connect here and there and it felt very organic because this was very much before curated feeds and brands and influencers and and talking about it now you're just like did it was it really like that and it was and i know it's it sounds like it's impossible today yeah no, but that's that's a, that's really a different world. That's a totally yeah. yeah. There, that was. The, I feel like you lived in the. You had the golden era, so you really. I did. I definitely think it was. It was definitely this very fleeting golden age of internet interaction with people that was genuine and not curated and and very much packaged and very self aware and we avoided that somehow and it was amazing. Um, so is your so, is your blog still out there? Like, can people still find it? Oh my gosh, it is because it's I'm there. too it's lazy in the archives. to like, shut it down and like figure out how to close it. <laughs> and because it was on Blogspot, um, fountainsofhome.blogspot.com. Um, so I never paid for a real website and did the real backend. So it is still probably there, and I should probably go back and delete it before my kids find out that it's there because now my kids are teenagers and know how the internet works yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't think any of my kids are um attracted to that or like care do you know what I mean like I was definitely like that as a teenager too like I would not have cared what my mom wrote at any point in my life I would have been like no I would never like go out of my way to look it up now so I don't, so it's still there. Um, and it was just a very, yeah, it was a very different time. And then since then, um, I think we started the podcast in 2015, I want to say, but it might've even been earlier than that. And, and I feel like you were also at the early stage of podcasting, like so early on. Yeah. Yeah. Like I felt like we were on at least like the, ver like the, the end of the first 
wave, like maybe not the first people out of the gate, but, but it was a medium that I really liked at the beginning and was drawn to. And I felt that we could provide a, like a conversational Catholic podcast that talked to all these interesting people we knew online, but in a way that was more, um, I guess, like deeper than a simple blog post or article. And that you could really um, pursue topics more deeply, but at the same time have episodes that were very conversational and talked about just what we wanted to talk about at the time. That was kind of, that was our goal (laughs) starting out. And really we never ended up having to go in a different direction. Like we always did like that direction and, and what type of episodes we made. And how long did the podcast go on? Because you just ended it relatively recently. Yeah. Yes. We ended it this past December. So that was, I think we think about seven years. Wow. Which is. Yeah, that's a long time. Like an eternity in internet years. (laughs) Yes, that is. Yeah. It's like dog years, like seven internet (laughs) years is like, it's, you know, a lifetime for sure. So, um, so how do you feel now that you're not, uh, do you miss podcasting? I do miss podcasting. I really like it as a medium and as a creative outlet. And I like the production of it even. And I, you know, like I even liked, I did all the editing and I, and I even like, didn't mind that. I, even though I wasn't very good at it. And I apologize to everybody who had a very good ear and noticed all of my mistakes that I didn't correct. But I, but I enjoyed even that end. But I mean, what I miss the most is having the opportunity or excuse to talk to people who are smarter than me every week. It's so, it is so fun. I always tell people like, just start a podcast, like just for no other reason than that. Like you can, you can message like anyone, you know, any author, author you're interested in, like anybody. Um, And it's amazing. They say yes. Nobody (laughs) said no to us. I don't think. And we well, like, you oh, had a lot of, you know, sway behind you. So you were like, re- not, <laughs> not, not at the beginning. We did not. And, yeah. we, I, and we would like cold call or like cold email so many people that we never thought would ever give us the time of day. And they would always say yes. And we were always completely shocked and surprised. And it was amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. So like I would recommend to people, even if you don't have a podcast, just like say you do so that you can message people yeah. and just exactly. it gives you like a very valid excuse to just if you just want to ask some questions. Exactly. Like it's just that was one of my first discoveries when I started working in radio. Like I was so naive about right. it. I was like, so do these guests get paid on these radio shows? Like I had no right. idea how it worked. And they're like, no, like you yeah. just like call them and like ask them to give you an hour of their time and ask them whatever you want. (laughs) Once we started doing it for a couple of years, I was like, oh, this is, this is how all media works. Like this is not, this is media. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is how it works. It is very much not, um, I guess as like official, it's just more. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, it's more available than people think. <laughs> it's so much more available, and it's also, I guess, <laughs> I don't want to say, like, fake, but, like, there is <laughs> so much more, like, the need to make content, people who, people who are making things know that need exists, and you get approached by a lot of th- people in a lot of directions, pitching a lot of things. So there is never a shortage of people who want to talk or people who want to sell stuff or people who want to get something out there. And so I think that part of it was surprising because you're like, oh, this is really how like Good Morning America works. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) That's how it works. there There isn't like a very like intellectual or like somebody who is in the know, who is... Coming up with all these great ideas every day. It's really like, hey, you know, I saw that guy was, you know, came out with a new idea and let's talk to him for five minutes. Like, yeah, let's just spill that. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's add that up. That yeah. Time. So, yeah, yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. When I was working as a radio producer, it was like the like schedule of my like, like the my workflow was always so weird because I'd eat depending on the deadline but sometimes I would just spend a whole day just cold calling people and like waiting for callbacks like that's like so much of what a producer does is just like we need a show to get out tomorrow so like let's hustle let's like get people on here let's cobble this together (laughs) I think in my um yeah in my in my mind of how wonderful and and cool it must be to work in media that that it must have been like much more like you secret room much more planned yeah exactly. and planning yeah. And, mm-hmm. and people knew fancier people and and the connections were made like that but really it it, it happens much more freely and yeah i wish <laughs> i wish there were more like there were there were i wish there were more like cocktail hours involved in producing yes. but there's really not so <laughs> i was gonna say wouldn't that be nice like yeah like you just where you do the networking you meet yes. up over a drink and like fancy cocktail parties questions. exactly yeah they're really mm-hmm. you know to be fair i was working in public radio so i don't know how much funding there was going around for that kind of thing but <laughs> Um, what was, what what were some of your, your favorite episodes? Like if people haven't listened to the show and they want to just like get a taste, I know it's probably hard off the top of your head, but it's hard off the top of my head. And also because I, once I edited them, I felt like I, I, I they were just gone. Yeah. They were gone from my, from my mind, but there was so, there were so many, like I always really liked the question episodes like you know where you yeah. guys would just uh like I really lo- I love the guests but I always really liked um like just you and Haley just like chatting like that was always yeah. really yeah. fun to listen to because uh I felt like you guys were really honest about some difficult topic like there was a whole episode about NFP <laughs> remember that one oh, yeah. um you know and like that was great and I think you guys didn't sugarcoat anything and that was appreciated and yeah, like, yeah just like some <laughs> real life nitty-gritty and yeah um, our our we always felt a little bit like we would we would do those episodes and we really would record just like us talking to each other. Like it was not planned out. We did not have a script. We didn't talk about beforehand how we were going to, you know, handle whatever question it was. And then after we would stop recording and we'd be like, was that way too harsh? <laughs> was that too much? No, <laughs> yeah, was no it was much? great. <laughs> that sounded terrible. <laughs> no, I loved those. I love those because uh, I think – like, you know, a lot of time in, you know, quote unquote, religious media, um, there's a lot of neat bows, you know, there's a lot of like trying yeah, to wrap yeah. things up 
nicely and like that's just Mm -hmm. not the lived experience of almost anything so I appreciated that a lot um but I think you were going to say one or two episodes like you said you uh we're going to reference one I I remember we had Dr. Scott Hahn on and we were just like so like fangirly (laughs) it was because like we could not I would actually say yes you're like wow like you are doing this yeah like that was another that was one of those things where we were like yeah Dr. Scott Hahn that would be hilarious like we never thought that would happen you know yeah and then he's like sure yeah and then he talked to us and he was like so lovely and he like talked for extra time and he was so personable like it was he was so nice um but I mean I liked I liked so many episodes it's very hard for me to choose um well, I if you think of any, like, later on, I yeah. will put, like, a list in the show yeah. notes so people could reference some. But I mean, um, there are a lot we of fun loved, episodes. Love, we loved having um, Dr. Jessica Hooten-Wilson on to talk about books. She was so smart. And we could have talked – I think we could have had, like, a, a monthly podcast with her because we loved so much of what she had to say about books. Um, our book episodes were always the least – listen to really oh. yeah <laughs> oh man yeah. and that and that was kind of like Haley's Haley and I's like that was like our favorite thing to talk about and like we it was like an ongoing joke we were like you know what we haven't done lately taking take taking a real dive in downloads and talking about a book and we say yeah so every <laughs> once in a while we'd still do it but like they were always the least downloaded yeah that's so interesting because I, um, you know, I feel like part of your, you know, your brand is like the literary yeah, yeah. stuff. But that's what know, we thought too. Like, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, nope. uh, off base there. Yeah, no one we wants were that. Like, oh, so. I guess people really don't like us. Yeah, they don't. No, no. They they like the idea of it. They don't actually want to listen to it. Yeah. They want to. Exactly. They want to be told they're listening to something literary so yeah. they can check that box. But I don't actually want to hear about the books. So. Yeah. It became, that's way too much. It became a really like ongoing like joke with us where we were like when we were like scheduling we were like we can't do another book episode we did one like two months ago we can't we can't take another we, hit we, we can't take that hit you know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be like just watch that arrow slide down for yeah. a while yeah I know it was just so funny without without fail it was hilarious yeah it's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Um, well, one of the things that I so appreciated through the podcast is like, you also created this Facebook group. That's one of the things I do miss about social media is like that group, actually, um, the Fountains of Carrots Facebook group, which still, it still exists, right? People are still, yeah, it's still happening. It's like thousands and thousands of people are on it. Um, it's one of the nicest Facebook groups I was ever in. Like people are just like very generous. Um, I don't know as a as an admin if you like had different experience if if there was some dark side that we don't know about but it seemed like no, most people were very lovely. You know what? It was like cuz I had been an admin in different random groups before, you know how it goes. And that group we had the least amount of drama, we had the least amount of reported posts or people you know being crazy. <laughs> Yeah, just like <laughs> off the walls. Like, yeah, like, like it honestly <laughs> happened so rarely. We were both shocked. We could not believe. We would keep saying to ourselves, "Like, is this is this for real? Sh- is this how it is?" Which is ama- It's still amazing, and it's still 
and has for its entire existence re required of us as admins so little time. And that's why I think it's still running. <laughs> yeah, right. Otherwise, maybe if not. If <laughs> it required a lot of like attention and time from us, it would, yeah, we would have closed it down because we don't have the time for that. But yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Facebook admin jobs can be like surprisingly yeah. time consuming. Yeah. yeah, that was, uh, I, I was mm -hmm. an admin mm -hmm. for, I started, actually, I think it was inspired by one of your episodes where Haley referenced a buy nothing group. And we oh, didn't yeah. we didn't have one around me, so I started one, yeah. and um, yeah, and it was very successful. It's still out there with thousands of people, but I was the sole admin for it, and it was a pain yeah. in the butt. I mean, and right. people did weird things, you know, like they were like somebody just came over who I know, or or like there was like I know they have COVID and they've been giving away their things, uh, like to every. I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have to like monitor people's right. like health yeah. status, like like yeah, what exactly. is going on. Right. So luckily I had some people in that group that were like bizarrely interested in being the admin. They would like, like, you know, they would like message me and be like, is it okay if I'm like, look, you take it over. Like, this is, this is your, yeah. your vocation to take over this group. That's mm -hmm. great. So, um, I, uh, I'm glad to hear though, that the Fountains of Carrots group did not require that. Yeah. Kind of no, it's, so. it's been amazing from the beginning and it's still going and people are still great. It, it really is. Especially, like, I mean, at least for the last two years, that's the only reason I really go on Facebook is to check in. I know, yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. very interesting people on there. There's good advice. So yeah. if, if you're not a member of the group, maybe go check it out. Um, yeah. really it's fun. Like, topics and people share really good things that you would never have seen before. Yeah, I'm still surprised and shocked. Yeah, so, so like good. the great thing that came out of, you know, the blogging and the podcasting and everything is like, I feel like you and Haley both really help establish real communities that have meant like things it. to people, you know, like that's, that's yeah. pretty great. So um, great. I think that there's like, I know, um, I've told you before that like, when I was thinking of converting to Catholicism, like listening to you guys was uh, beneficial to me because I was like, these people are kind of normal and I didn't know if I was you know I was like okay like I believe this but like am I joining am mm -hmm. I gonna be am I gonna have to be a really weird person now like am I gonna have to be very pious and I, I don't know like I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm just you know have to give up some of my personality like that's a silly thing to say but yeah. that's like how it feels when you're coming from a completely non-religious background you know like I came from yeah. no one is religious so it's like I had no you know frame of reference of what a like lived catholic life looked like so yeah. you guys are like normal people that's I great think that, <laughs> and i think that would be ter would be terrifying if i was in that spot i would have the same thoughts too and i would be like what does this mean for me <laughs> yes i know i'm like what does what does this yeah. look like you know i mean, mean i'm a social outcast from now yes. on like you really don't know and then yes I think part, and I think that's part of why we wanted to start the podcast and have the podcast the way it was, was because both of us, I think, at the beginning of our time blogging, was we really did find people who were normal, who we enjoyed sharing experiences with, and who shared our faith. And that was really the connecting points and that was it like that it didn't have to be more complicated than that and I think that's why it was so good in the early days it's because you were bonding over your shared faith 
and you were just letting other people sort of see into how you lived it. And for converts or for me who lives in the middle of nowhere, it was really, it was really great to see just other people doing what you were doing in a normal way, even though they were doing it completely differently than you were. Like no, none of our lives look the same, but the, the shared faith and the shared lived experience was what was important. Yeah. And I, and like you were saying that like those little daily updates and things like that, I really, you kind of, you do that a little bit now on Substack, which I love, um, the more sort of casual updates. I love them. Um, because I think that it's, first of all, like for me who has a two and a half year old and a six month old, like my brain is so fried much of the time that like, it's very like soothing to me to just like read chatty Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and it does, it gives those just little glimpses, you know, into people's lives. Um, and, and it's, for some reason it feels different than like the quote unquote glimpses that we get through Instagram stories. I don't know. Like, does Instagram feel very different to you than blogging days or not so much like I don't know yeah yeah it's interesting I mean I think from where it's morphed especially like stories because at the beginning of Instagram it did feel like just an extension of blogging I do remember that shift and then it was like a shift where it was like switched to video and then you saw just with that shift there was a dramatic drop-off of people who would participate kind of at all because I think they felt uncomfortable with the medium of video and then they just thought that that made the space unwelcome for them kind of I know that sounds kind of weird and I think the fact and I mean I think you know part of the truth of the matter is that like with a visual medium (laughs) you know some people are going to be better at it than others yeah, I know. Well, and I mean, just, like, it's, and not, and not you're better, selling but something. Like, yeah, but like you know, I it, uh, to me it, it it did become a little bit more like popularity contesty because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. just that's the just medium, the medium. Right? right? Right, right. And that was yeah, before, no, it's very different. And I feel like so I feel like it was like that before even influencer culture kind of took over. Like it was just the nature of the medium, um, which was unfortunate. And I mean, I feel, I, I still like, like even last week I was away for a couple days and I was on Instagram a little bit more because we were in the car and I was like, I see nobody I know on this. And who I are these see, people? <laughs> who are these people? Exactly. Like these are like big accounts I follow for X, Y, Z reason. I see a lot of news. I see a lot of memes. A lot of ads, a lot of TikTok reels. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, like I feel like, and I'm like, I really, my friends, you know, I really want to see my friend Jane, what she's doing right now. Like, I really do. Like, I still want that. I know. I feel like meta, like, it's like, are you listening? Like, nobody actually wants this. I found it so weird when every, you know, all these people are signing. Like, wasn't like the Kardashians were signing it. They were like, we don't want reels. Like, get them off Instagram. And they're like, yeah, no, like, we're going to do it. Like, it's like, okay, well, (laughs) yeah, no, mm -mm, yeah, I I hear you. And no. So it's like, it's, it's the most bizarre business model to me because like, here is your like, customer uh but they're yeah. and they're like yeah but no so um but I guess that's because you know you're not really the customer the 
ad people are the customer and the ad people want reels so we're, that's we're, what they I get know. we're the we're the product you know what i mean yeah like, i know yeah. we're the fodder I, in the machine we're it's the creepy fodder in the machine. <laughs> and i know it's super creepy and horrible and i still like i've cut the cord with everything but instagram mm-hmm. yeah that was my last like and, one to and, tumble to yeah but i know it's hard because there's there are good things, but it's like I just I want everybody to move over to Substack or their equivalents. Like I just want every because I do miss there are certain people who are, you know, more active on Instagram that I miss. Like I miss their updates, you know, even if I did have to like search them out and find them because they would never show up. But, um, you know, that that sort of way of connecting is a is good. It's just like too bad that it's like trapped in this you know, um, mm-hmm. evil machine, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. but, <laughs> but you know, yeah. But other than that, it's like, you know, other it's fine. That, so I know, I know, but I, I do genuinely, genuinely miss just seeing into their day because it did feel like a friendship connection and a connection to other people who you would never have known had you not met through these strange internet ways. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, you, you started blogging and stuff when you have had little kids. And I think a lot Mm of moms of little kids, especially are seeking, you know, connection and like an an adult conversation every now and then in the midst of the day. Um, And it's, I do think it's valuable in that way. And that, um, you know, the internet Mm -hmm. is very valuable in that way. Uh, It's like, it's definitely a sanity thing for me. So it can be important to people, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like, especially back in the golden age when I started, it really did feel like that was maybe the most primary way I connected with other women who were staying home with their kids and who shared most of the same values I had. Um, Just because like a small town of 1500 people, not a lot of child bearing women. Faithful Catholics out there. (laughs) Faithful Catholics. There's, oh, the the number of other Catholics who who went to my church, who had kids was zero. Right? Oh, are you kidding? Was, no, I'm not kidding. It was me. Like, me and my family and my kids, we were the only family who took kids to mass every week. Oh, my god. We were gosh. the youngest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, there wasn't, like, there was somebody down my street who we could hang out with. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. It's you just, know? that is just what yeah. it is. It's like, I think we all wish that, you know, our geographical realities could reflect, you know, um, reflect that, but it's just yeah. not the case. You know, we just live in too, uh, too much of a like diaspora world. Like, so we have to seek out yeah. similar uh, communities yeah. that feel authentic to us. <laughs> online. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when you couple it with, I think. When, when you just continue to make countercultural decisions with your life, which is <laughs> kind of the story of my life, like getting, getting married young, 
having babies young, you know, um, staying home with them, being Catholic, then choosing to homeschool. Like, I am really whittling down people who will <laughs> hang out with me. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, you're, they're like, I was with you there until you made that choice. And then, exactly, ooh, until yeah. that like one, a, and then until that one. Yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, so it just gets slimmer and yes, slimmer. Yeah. It, gets, yeah, it gets very slim. You know, like, when, you, when you're the only, you know, I was, I was also, like, the first friend in my friend group to have kids and get married. Like, there wasn't, even in yeah. like my like very good in real life friend group who I love and loved, like I was the only one with kids, you know, for a while. Um, so, and that is just, it's just a really transformative time for you as a woman to, to begin motherhood and to try to figure out what kind of mother you are and to try to figure out what kind of family you want to, um, mold and create and what you, what you want your life to look like and when I mean life I mean like your daily life because all of a sudden you're like oh I'm the mom I have to figure that stuff out <laughs> right no one is doing this for me like you know yeah nobody's telling me what to do how do yeah I do and I, I know at least for me like when I pictured also being a mom I thought it would be a lot more um like I I pictured a lot more like baking with classical music around like yeah I don't know like just like sort of like see like blissful scenes like with the children like playing calmly in the background like that doesn't really happen that often so you kind of gotta you need some help to have a new vision that is still uh you know so I appreciate seeing examples you know that are like oh like this is good this looks good I could do this you know maybe not that but this so and I think that's exactly like what I needed at that time when it was just like it really felt like I was like the only person who was doing this at that time, right? And and if there wasn't any connection of other people doing that through the internet, like I think I would have, I don't know, not gone insane, but... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, some of your some of your posts throughout the winter seem a little on the brink. So, like you know, maybe without the connection, it could have gotten gotten a little little strange out there for sure. It could have got it couldn't it could have gotten gone in a really bad direction. Yeah. You know? So we yeah. have the internet to thank for Christie's well being. So exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean, we just don't as women like if we don't have jobby jobs or like jobs that we're paid for that come with a title like we we really have to explore and create our own intellectual pursuits and interests like ourselves intentionally um they don't just come to us naturally right um so if if the internet wasn't there for that too you know I think that would have really taken away from my quality of life and and or my ability to stay home with my kids full stop right like maybe I would have had to make different decisions right right because you could get that intellectual part fulfilled in a way that was needed you know um without Mm -hmm. you know making a sacrifice you didn't want to so yeah exactly so how so you were writing a lot about you know life with little kids um when you were blogging how is it mm-hmm. do you have advice for people like me with little kids um and also how is it going as a mother of teens <laughs> in as much as you want to share right I mean I was just talking to a dental hygienist who was cleaning my teeth the other day and she has two babies now and she and I was like 
yeah, what was that like? You know what I mean? Like I have to remind myself. And I think like mostly what I want to tell like young mothers starting out or like still figuring it out, no matter how old your kids are, is that like you don't have to parent exactly the way anybody says? <laughs> Just because I feel like, especially for mothers our age slash younger, I think they come from such an unexperienced place of what motherhood and childhood and children even look like that they're really desperate to grab onto something yeah. and somebody's I mean, I'd never, advice. I'd never held a baby before I held my baby. Like that's, right. that's where I was coming from. So and I yeah. think a lot of yeah. women are in that situation. Me too. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, I, I feel like that's probably now, wouldn't you say that's the majority's experience? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a definitely majority for sure. Yeah. And so I think it's just really hard because if you're coming from a place of having no experience you know like what do you do feel at sea and you do feel like there's a whole world of parenting options and I have to pick the right one and I have to do it completely exactly what this person says or else it must be terrible and I'm gonna yeah, I mean they really threaten you awful. too <laughs> yeah they're yes. like if you mess this up they may have attachment issues for life but no problem no pressure though yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that is I mean, I, that scares me and I don't have any small children and I've been doing this for 16 years. Like it's, that's terrifying. Right. So I feel like I'd rather like tell parents that it's okay to learn as you go and you don't have to have all the answers or do things the same way forever or do things you don't like also. Because I feel like there's so many, I don't know. I feel like it's very difficult to grab onto a parenting style when you have a unique personality, which guess what? Every person does. And so it's, parenting is going to be unique because we're a unique person. I mean, I had a big realiz realization, like yeah. even just like, you know, I, I still, I, I have two kids and they're both very little, but like that I didn't have, I took my, my oldest when she was like one, I took her to these like music classes, you know, where they would like dance and like, you know, I had this moment one time when I was like waltzing around with my baby to Scarborough Fair on like a church lawn. And I just was like, you know, I don't have to do this. Like, I don't like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have to be here. Like she barely acknowledges where we are. Like she would be just as happy if I like had her on a blanket outside while I'm like reading a book. Like. I don't have to do that. So with my second, I'm just keeping that in mind that like you don't have to do all the things. Like I, you can do the yeah. things that you enjoy and like they enjoy too, but like you don't have to do every little kid activity yeah. if it's not right yeah. for you. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like I'm still telling that my, to myself, but with teenage things, you know, like I can only do so much without me hating life like you know, you know what I mean like yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah I like I don't think parents should hate life like <laughs> that is just a weird idea. what a what a radical claim Christy what that was really out there idea. yeah <laughs> I know like what a crazy idea I just feel like I see so many people parenting and I can see it making them unhappy mm-hmm 
like visually with my eyes. <laughs> like you're like, well, that person's sobbing, so they don't look happy. <laughs> yeah. But like, I just want to like reach out and be like, you don't have don't to do, do it. this. You know, and I think it contributes to people like not liking parenthood, burning out on parenthood, um, only wanting one kid. You know, it really feeds into the whole thing. Like if parenting makes you miserable, you're not going to want to be a parent. Like it's very, <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that like um, Jen Foyler has talked about how in comedy, it's like if you're a mom and you're talking about your kids, it's like very, the only jokes are about how bad it is, you know, how like, what a slog, you know, and it's, it's, you know, she's like, it's, she's like, it would be a lot easier if I made jokes like that. But you know, I don't because I don't hate parenting. And I don't, I don't, it's not true. Like, that's not my experience. I'm not going to say that like for a cheap laugh. But it's like, but that's what people now expect is, I mean, any parenting thing you read online, there's like this undertone of like, we know this is like, such a sacrifice and just like your life is kind of over but this is what it is you know and it's like but it doesn't have to be (laughs) no it no it doesn't have to be and it and it really comes out in like those small choices like you're saying like do I take my baby to music and mommy class no and like I I think I went to like one mom's group and I was like oh like no this is not for me (laughs) like I'm just not a I I'm just not and if somebody loves mom. that, great, you know, like, oh, yeah, awesome, totally. go like, for it. I'm glad they exist. I'm glad people like going, but, like, not for me. Also, yeah. like, am I, am I a sports parent? I am not. Like, like, fewer things in life cause me more torture than watching my children play organized sports. Like, it's just not for me. Like, and other people are like, my sports sports family like our sports family we couldn't live without them i was like really i know they've got they've got all the matching jerseys it's 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 you know like it's definitely part of me you know like part of me still like it's like what's wrong with me that i can't be like that but then also part of me is like i have to accept myself and my how i am the way i am and hope I think I think kids want a mom who is themselves <laughs> you know like I think right. they they want to know who their mother is not like who some like you know um Stepford wives step in <laughs> is like that they will someday be revealed in therapy to have been a lie so I think it's better I think I for sure learned through the little like through the little ages I I still feel like I'm very insecure as a teenage mom like teenager mother I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing and it feels very scary a lot of days. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I did get, ex- because I had so many in a row, so close in age, I really did like, I really, I got real good at toddlers. Mm-hmm. I got real good at little kids. Like by the end of, <laughs> by the end of a stage, I'm really good at it. <laughs> yeah. But by, by so that fifth by- year. <laughs> Exactly. Like maybe by the time I, my fifth is a teenager, like I'll be, I'll have it down. Like, so in, yeah, so you've in got time. eight yeah. years, you get back to me and I can tell you. Okay. But, but even through learning with the little years, like, and I made those choices about how I parented when they were toddlers and when they were small. And I can tell that it was not detrimental to them at all. It was okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was happier and they were probably happier and we were all fine. Um, 
yeah. So I mean, but it's still hard. I think I still struggle. The even just hearing the reassurance of like you know, just getting through it is like possible, and the kids are fine, you know, and like there's always challenges. And I know I read, right. I, you know, I it's like. Yeah reassuring in one way and terrifying in another like how little control we have over our kids you know like they're their own people they're going to make their own choices like there's only so much you can do um it's much more like a scaffolding system than a like i'm gonna mold you system so that can be a relief and also scary (laughs) and also terrifying yes i feel like i oscillate between those two feelings all the time um because it only becomes more evident as they're teenagers and like making more independent choices and like doing things what they want, you know, doing things the way they want, how they want to. And you allow that because, you know, you're trying to raise an adult, not a perpetual child. But right. it does feel, it does feel so much like, wow, like it, what, does it matter what I do? I don't know. <laughs> like it's a little scary. Like you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I have five kids and, and like, radically different personalities. All five of them. Like, I wouldn't say any two are, like, very similar. And they all have, like, different learning styles and different preferences and interests and strengths and weaknesses and, like, that you're dealing with every single day. And then sometimes you're like, but does – am I making a difference? (laughs) Right. Did I have any influence on that? Yes, it feels like like motherhood is just like a very like daily experience of all these like existential like yeah, just you know yeah, just existential crisis a day you know exactly keeps the doctor employed so exactly I know and every day you're just like dealing with a different one and you're just like okay I guess today I'm gonna try and focus on like choosing my own peace and. What will today bring? Yeah, I yeah. just approach it with an attitude. What is it? I say, you know, you be curious about that existential crisis, not run from it. Exactly. I'm having an existential crisis. I'm curious about that. I'm going to start asking questions yeah. about it. Um, yeah. I- yeah, it's <laughs> funny. I mean, I keep my joke is that the longer I'm a mom, the less I ha- like the less advice I feel I have to give. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, I could. Yeah. But really, right. Really, but really, I think it is. It is the best, the best advice is to do it the way you want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You That's know, good advice. You know, yeah. If it's, and I mean, I, I say that with, with the intention that hopefully like your values. <laughs> well, what I want, let me tell you is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're assuming that it's a, not a situation of like, well, I want to be uh, a meth lab director, and I want my children to assist me. So, <laughs> okay, like they're gonna help out. Yep. Yeah. So, like you know, within boundaries, but we're we're assuming we're we're having a, a generous view of our listenership here. So, oh my gosh, um, yeah. You know what? I keep meaning to write this as like a Substack art- article, but I just don't know how to like put it in essay form. But like. One of my biggest personal, like, understandings or, like, epiphanies is that, like, people do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, that, I know that sounds, like, really lame at the beginning, but, like, for me, that was a really important thing in helping me understand other people because mm. I'm very 
duty driven and um i'm a firstborn i value rules and tradition and <laughs> yeah and so when i see people making choices i'm like why why would they do that like that is that's that's a terrible idea why would they do yeah. that? <laughs> um and then like for me to internalize that like people do the things they do because they genuinely want to because it brings them joy on some level they think it aligns with their values because of blah 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 and for some reason once I like accepted that I feel like it has helped me let go of judging others a lot but also like I think it's helped me in comparing mm -hmm. when I compare myself to other people I think it's helped me a lot to be like I just don't want to I just don't want to do that and I just don't like doing that and it doesn't mean that there's a moral or a, you know, eternal consequence because I made that decision. It's just because I don't want to. Right. Like it's not as, it's not always as dire as it like seems yeah. like, you know, it's just, it's, it's usually a lot simpler why people do yeah, what they do. Like I'm very prone to, yes, assigning like moral qualities to things and decisions and factors. And I like to think in, you know, big idealistic pictures and so if that small decision shouldn't that accord with this big ideal existing up in the sky when really people just do usually what they not do. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I hope I hope you do write about that because I think like yeah fleshing that out is like it's it's a bigger realization than I think you know, people realize just to be because we live so much in our heads and we like yeah. make so much many assumptions about why people do what they do. And it's usually not true. So yeah, like and um, I think I think that's part of like me and my, you know, tendency to be super judgmental and like, and and in turn, constantly like compare myself to everybody else because of XYZ. And to like to really like, contemplate and internalize the idea that like it really can just be this simple and I don't have to over overthink this <laughs> and that applies to so much of motherhood like oh my gosh <laughs> well we'll we'll check back in with you in the eight years right. so that we can we can yeah. get the the next update but um <laughs> well, I won't keep you. Too, I won't keep you too much longer. Even though I would love to just keep p picking your brain about these things, but I can't let you go without addressing the British monarchy. <laughs> um, Christy is a is is a fan is a fan of the monarchy. Um, you you are known. This is your. This is yeah. This is a tagline for you. Well, it's because you're Canadian, first of all. So, like this, you're actually a sub. You're a su you're a subject, okay? And I think many many people in this sphere are not. And uh, so, so you have a different relationship. Um, I always want to know what your hot take is on whatever the latest development is. Um, so you know, I'm an American. I'm not tied. I think our democracy is a hot mess, but that's a different issue. But like, I need you, like. You are a monarchist, and I'd like to hear your defense yeah. of the monarchy. Why is it a good thing and not just, like, a celebrity show? Why is it good? Yeah, I mean, part of me does like it just for the celebrity show. I'm not – I don't want to come off – I don't want to come off too hoity-toity, okay, guys? Like, <laughs> I am here for the show, too. Yes. Um, I, I don't know if 
yeah, I feel like there are, there's so many good paper topics that I could go into with this. Like, don't you think, like, don't you feel like there's a rich history? Oh, yes. Um, as a Canadian, so I have even less proportional representation in government than Americans do. Just the way our system is created, just the way it works. Um, so for a long time, like no one, just, just to put it in perspective, my whole voting life, I don't think I've ever voted for someone who won an election. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's rough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially like at a federal level. I think I voted, I think maybe one time. Um, so, and, and part of my struggle with especially politics today and politics slash democracy, the way our systems work, is that it contributes to me disliking my fellow citizens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so my joke is, if we had a monarchy, I would just hate that one guy. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Instead of let's say 90% of the population. Right. right. We could all direct. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's partly my joke. Um, but partly true is because like you as a citizenry, I think would feel, I don't know, maybe I'm sure you would still have political divisions, but I think having one guy to blame I think it does contribute to it feeling as a more like we're a team. We're in this together. We're yeah. in this together. Yeah. Um, however, there'd be a lot more fun toppling regimes too. Right? You know, like we could all get together. Revolutions could happen. Like just be a lot of get together opportunities. <laughs> I mean, I've always, I've always been sympathetic to the idea that like, I mean, even now with, um, well, the king now, um, but like that there's, that there's like a figure that's outside of all those political struggles that is representative of the country and its history that you can like appreciate and watch all the, you know, the, the glamour and everything that we like to watch and like just appreciate on that level, even if, you know, maybe you and your neighbor hate they have different political parties like you're totally totally disagree but you all can like like the king you know and like have a a toast on the day (laughs) yeah it's like we'll all we'll all raise a glass on the bank holiday we get when he's crowned king because we get a holiday out of it (laughs) yeah so like we can all we can all be happy about that yeah yes Mm -hmm. exactly like i think there's value exactly in what you say having someone who is outside of the political system who can represent your country? Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in it. And I think we've lost, mo- like, I think, yeah, we've mostly lost that. I think it exists in the UK and in a couple other European countries, but most of the world, we ha- don't have that at all. And that's pretty, like, that is sad. And it does devalue our patriotism and our love for our country because we feel like there is no unifying person that we can look to to represent um what we think represents our country so yeah i think it does kind of trickle down and affect our patriotism um i also kind of i just i think 
Yes. Like just what we're seeing. Like, I just feel like when people are like, why would a monarchy be better? And I just think Trump and Biden, like, <laughs> like, like, like you're not giving me a good argument for the alternative. Like, it's like, why? Because it's going so well right now. It's going like, yeah, so no. Well? Yeah, and I, yeah, and I no, I know. About, I would say the same thing about politics in Canada. I have no allusions to being better than America. Um, yes, but but I mean, I've been into. I think I've been into the royalty and the British royal family since I was a kid because my grandma was British. Her parents were from England. And so she always was very interested in the British royal family and always watched them. And she always had like the latest royal book hanging around. And then my other grandma wasn't British, but she was very dedicated to tabloid reading. Oh, well. <laughs> and I was, Same thing, you know. So. Right? And I was a very and I was a very dedicated reader. And so whenever I went to her house, like I legit, I think I was reading tabloids since I could read, like when I was at her house. <laughs> I love that. First, first books, you know, that, you know what go. I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So like I, and that, and I kind of came of age in the whole, like the death of Diana Fuhrer. Yep. And I remember watching CNN with my grandma when that was happening. Mm. And I think I was like 12, but I was fully invested. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I had those imprints on me at a young age. And and in the last few years, like, I've just leaned in and I'm like, I should just admit that I really like the British royal family and I really like it, okay? I just, I shouldn't hide it. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Like, I think it is to be embraced. I, I had um I had a British... I had a British au pair growing up and um, she was my au pair when Diana died. Oh, and I still remember like her yeah. trauma of that. And like her sister was a horse, a horse trainer who worked for Princess Anne and stuff like that. So we always heard all about, you know, um, what that was like and everything. Um, so I, I always liked that though I always was kind of jealous that she had that sort of thing that her family like they would all like yeah. be like they talked about them like they knew them they'd be like well so you know well you know the boys are doing and you're like the boy like you don't like <laughs> like you don't know them but that's uh you know but I liked it I, I liked it, it. But so they, I think yes I know I think it's hilarious that we feel like so connected to them and we are like a country away and an ocean away um, but it really is like the nature of media and like the world we live in. Um, but also I think I, I also like that they represent personally that they aren't involved in politics and that they do represent duty and obligation and, uh, and social obligation and, and that level of carrying yourself. Because that's nowhere else, too. Like, that is, I mean, that's extinct. Um, well, and I we'll, think just, we'll just leave a, a little asterisk there for Meghan and Harry to discuss at a different time. <laughs> but um, I think that is what rubs yes. me the wrong way about I mean, them is like, that... ugh. Yes, exactly. Like, that's a whole, like, I think that's the whole, the whole thing, right? I think that's just like the, the perfect encapsulation of like, what makes the British royal family good and what makes it like, or it could really just go 
into tawdry celebrity zone exactly right yeah and right. and we we're watching what that looks like you know so um yeah yes exactly well, we are <laughs> front row seat we get to see it um so I wish I could keep talking to you, but I, I uh, you know, got the babies and life to get back to. And I know you do, too. So um, but yeah, I, I, I so appreciate you taking the time. It was so much fun. Um, where can people follow you these days online, Christy? I've got a Substack newsletter that I tend to try. I try to tend to it regularly. Um, obviously, summer has rumpled my plans um but christyisinger.substack.com and i'm also only on instagram at christyisinger but i do try to make instagram as fun and enjoyable as possible you you do i i miss i miss following your stories because we get to see like flowers and like kate middleton's latest outfit yeah. and just like good stuff like exactly. that so just good clean right fun, i was just so. about to say good things in life is what i want to yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i love that i love that um and the last thing is i just always ask if you have like a recommendation something you're reading a, a song a book anything you'd like to recommend to people oh yeah so i thought i would be the very frivolous guest because usually you talk to such smart people so I'll be frivolous and sit and share my Spotify playlist that I've been listening to. It's called Grandma's House. <laughs> and it's Great. hilarious because because it's got like all the songs you love from, you know, um Nora Ephron movies and Perfect. Yeah, romantic comedies and your great fifties, sixties, seventies, like hits that sounds amazing that sounds like grandma's house i want to be at <laughs> exactly and it's perfect to get you like through that that witching hour hump you know, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. i need that when that okay, hits great. you every day and you yep. just need something to help you get through yes that and is you great want to okay to something that's fun and not not serious like something that makes you happy just endorphins I love that. Well, I will get the I will get the link for that uh, and put it in the yes, show notes I will so people you can. One. I appreciate that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Christy. This was so much fun. So fun, Katie. Thanks for having me. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing.